lunch. Nom, 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 nom. Good morning, Sac City. Welcome in to another edition of the Sac City Podcast. I am your host, the one and only Vinny Milani, joined as always by my best friend in the whole entire world. He is Aaron, the Mukesiah, frozen ass Mukes. And below us, we have your boy, A.J. Johnson. It is a beautiful October 27th morning here in the city. Episode 109 is about to kick off. We've got a full slate of game previews for week eight. It should be a good one. Uh, We've also have our DFS plays of the night for the Thursday night matchup between the Buccaneers and the Baltimore Ravens. Uh, Gentlemen. We've got a lot to talk about. I'm not asking you how you're doing. I don't care about how you're doing. I'm not. I don't care about your tales, your stories, your Rudy too candy ass. I don't care about any of it. Let's get to our morning. Ladies and gentlemen, can I please have your attention? And I need all of you to stop what you're doing and listen. What? What? Isn't it Rudy Poo? That's what I said. You said Rudy too. Uh, Rudy too. <laughs> oh, I said Pooh. Rudy Pooh candy yeah, ass. Come on, you man. Said poo, Rudy you too. Said I'm I'm fairly <laughs> sure that you said Rudy Check too tape. candy ass. Check it tape. Roll it back. Check it tape. Roll it back. All right, let's get into our morning headlines. This was my 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 mess up. Yeah, here. even Bailey says. Even Bailey says oh, you said Oh man. Two. Oh man, that's a big time blunder on my uh, on my candy ass here. Uh, all right, morning headlines time. Uh, we had a trade go down yesterday. The undefeated Philadelphia Eagles got stronger uh, by acquiring Robert Quinn, the pass rusher from the Chicago Bears, in exchange for a fourth-round pick. The three-time Pro Bowler, one-time All-Pro, heads to Philadelphia uh, to add to their already pretty good pass rush they have. Uh, it was a sad day for Bears fans and for Roquan Smith after hearing that news. Uh, he was very torn apart uh, during the press conference when he found out uh, that his best guy has been traded to the Eagles. Uh, Aaron, what, is this, what does this trade mean for the Eagles? Well, I mean, the rich get richer, right? We talk about teams all the time and uh, what they're able to do. And the Eagles are a pretty good pass rush team already with um, Fletcher Cox and the big boys in the middle. But you also have Brandon Graham. They're a little bit on the older side. Robert Quinn also is coming in a little bit older. But it just goes to show you they're kind of all in um, this year. And now he hasn't been as productive this year as, as he's been in the past couple of seasons. He led the league in sacks last year, um, which was kind of surprising at the age of 31. But he did lead the league in sacks last year. And then this year, he's only got one sack on the season. But he's been still able to generate a pass rush. So I just think this is a um, this is a guy that's just going to add some depth. I think it's a little bit overblown um, as to what he's trying to bring, but this is the this is the Von Miller move of last year. I, I would say the difference is Rob Quinn's not as good as Von Miller, not quite as good. Um, he's had double digit sacks in a number of years though, like four or five seasons. But he's also not very good against the run, so I worry about that. But then you got Jordan Davis and look, uh, you know Fletcher Cox and those guys to pick it up. So this to me is just about hey, let's get another piece. Let's add some more pressure. And you didn't have to give up much to get them. And it's going to show you that Philly's all in right now. So it's another good piece for them. And uh, I heard something on Twitter where it was like, oh, Dallas, your move. Like um, like it was some back and forth between because the Cowboys traded for some defensive line depth and have been, you know, they lead the league in sacks. Um, so now it's supposed to be the Cowboys move and everybody's talking about maybe going to get a wide receiver. So um, good move for Philly, though. Didn't give up a lot and got a, a piece that's pretty valuable. Yeah, I think this is I think this is a, a sign that like the how wide open the NFC is in general. 
Um, I think that most of the trades that we're going to see on, on deadline day or, or leading up to it, it's just going to be a lot of NFC teams going all in to try and get that basically jockeying for position for who's going to be the top dog uh, in the, in the NFC. Uh, AJ, your thoughts on this trade when it, when it popped up? Um, kind of the same with the rich getting richer thing. I do want to just point out, cause I don't you know want to leave you out like that. Uh, last year, TJ Watt tied straight hand for the most sacks in NFL history with 22.5. So Robinson, yes, Robinson NFC. Yes, N- NFC. Sorry, it was yeah. the NFC. Okay. Led, led the NFC in sacks. Cool. See, I, I just wanted that way. You know, people don't. I did say league. Just, you know, but uh, but yeah. So either way, but still, I mean, a very productive season last year. Uh, you know, then they make some changes in their schemes and everything, and it's not doing the same production form. And then the Eagles, man. We talk about what the Jets have done as an offseason. We talk about what the Ravens consistently do as an offseason. If it wasn't for Howie Rosen's uh, horrible track record with wide receivers, we would talk a lot more about how good that front office has been, too. Because if you look at what they've done, acquiring A.J. Brown for nothing, next to nothing, really, they gave up the, the pick of that year. Um, you, you talk about having the Saints pick next season and possibly being a top 10 pick as it sits right now. Uh, you think about this trade they make with Robert Quinn. You, you, you know, you talk about the front line of the Eagles and how they're already good. Well, if Robert Quinn can't make it work in Chicago, being next to these guys who are pretty good up front already allows him to be better because they have so much more to focus on that front line. And you look at that defense, I mean, they're, they're leading the league at a plus 12 differential on the turnover margin. And that's the last thing a team needs is to have less time to throw the ball when there's already a team back there with a secondary that's causing turnovers seemingly at will. So uh, the Eagles definitely see an opportunity. They see a window in an NFC that doesn't have a lot, a lot of talent um, in it through from top to bottom. There's a couple teams that may give them some fits. Uh, later in the season. And this is just going to be the year that this team, the young leaders, uh, Jalen Hurts, uh, Devontae Smith, you're going to have to see them grow in the playoffs because I don't know with the NFL's parity that you get this opportunity like this again next season. And where they're sitting right now, you got to you got to look at them as one of the favorites in the NFC. Yeah, this is a this is a big move for the Philadelphia Eagles. On the Bears side of things, they do pick up most of Robert Quinn's uh, salary. So even on the Eagles side, you're not this is a win-win situation for the Eagles all, all around. Um, so they, they do acquire Robert Quinn for a fourth-round pick from the Bears. Uh, in other news, we've got some quarterback starters that were announced yesterday. Uh, Andy Dalton will be the starter for the New Orleans Saints this week against the Las Vegas Raiders. And Mac Jones will start for the New England Patriots against the Jets this Sunday. Aaron, which one of those quarterback starter news uh, – stands out to you the most uh surprisingly i'll go away from the bailey zappy conversation and mac jones because I, I kind of expected that um it's andy dalton it's it's the it's them just not believing in Jameis winston i think i don't know that this has a You'll learn the uh, it has to be concerning for for Jameis winston um uh, with the opportunity that he's not getting back to get back on the field and so that was some Surprising. I, I didn't think Andy Dalton had played really well enough to warrant like, oh, we can't go back to Jameis Winston. Um, but I understand it. Like, I, I understand that, you know, Jameis Winston didn't look good when he was playing and yeah. outside of a half. And so maybe you continue to let Dalton have this opportunity. I just don't know. I, I, I feel like Jameis should be in there. Um, I think he's a better quarterback. I think he's younger. I think there's more upside there. Um I mean, we watched Andy Dalton throw two pick sixes last week, probably cost them the game, because other than that, they were able to move the football and stuff. 
Um, and that's stuff Jameis Winston can do. So if it is about injury, then I understand. But if it's not about the injury, it's just about them feeling more comfortable with Andy Dalton, then you got to have some serious concern about where Jameis Winston is going in his career. Yeah, uh, quickly, I agree with that. I think it has to be the injury. I don't think Winston has done enough to lose the job with his coaching staff and that there's more to it uh, that we're not seeing on game day, maybe during the week. But uh, I agree with that. I don't think Andy Dalton's that much of a step ahead. Um, on the other side, I, I can look at the Mac Jones, Bailey Zappi conversation and and think to me, like, granted, Bill Belichick said, we'll see how it goes. But uh, we know the truth and we know, like, Bailey Zappi had a chance. This kind of rings to me almost like the Seattle Seahawks preseason battle where um, where neither guy had really done enough to really hold the position. And when that's the case, you're going to the guy who's been there and who knows what's going on. I mean, we, we think about the way we heard this New England fan base just clamoring for Zappi, booing Mac Jones the entire game uh, last week and chanting Zappi's name. That had to be really tough for uh, Mac Jones. But then Bailey Zappi, outside of those first two uh, those first two drives, really didn't do anything and, in fact, kind of went backwards. You know, so that kind of gave the reins back to a Mac Jones who now has to come in and make a statement. You know, they picked me in the first round, 15th overall for a reason. I had a really good rookie season for a reason. This team needs to believe in me, and he has to be the reason that gives them to believe. He has to go out there and make no question about it that this is his team right now. And if Bailey Zappi wants it, it's going to have to be next year. So um, Mac Jones has an opportunity here. I think he's going to take it as best. And I don't think you do too much to change it uh, from what Mac Jones and Bailey Zappi did. You know, maybe maybe you do a little bit more of what Zappi was doing for Mac Jones. So he has the opportunity to air the ball out a little bit. Uh, but then you get behind those those running backs and Ramondre Stevenson and Damian Harris, who should be another week healthy, and and you let these guys go and help you uh, help you secure a win. You haven't seen the last of Bailey Zappi this year, I guarantee it. I'm no. sure about that. But Mac yeah. Jones needs to make sure that's a difficult conversation to have. Hey, hey man, and put more respect on Geno Smith's name in that preseason. That man won that thing fair and square. He he dominated well, the quarterback competition. He dominated I it. I don't uh, think so. I think COVID got him. Because I that seriously was... believe Drew Locke was going to start that season if mm-hmm. if what he could didn't have get been. COVID. What I don't know, man. The way the way Locke been. looked when he came back. Oof. But that's what I mean from COVID, though. That's remember that game right before he got COVID. He was fourteen of fourteen. He looked like the better quarterback, and there was a lot of talk like Drew Locke's job to lose, and then COVID lost it. Like yeah. COVID got the man. COVID got the man. Uh, that does it though for that. Do, that does it though for our morning headlines. I was going to throw in, and I could. I actually just throw these little notes in. The Packers have been calling around an attempt to trade for a wide receiver. That's the reports going around, which that happens every trade deadline. Uh, and then a wide receiver that's been generating trade interest is Nelson Aguilar from the Patriots. So we'll keep an eye on all the all the trade deadline news. Uh, and rumors uh, throughout the week up until Tuesday's deadline here. Aaron, let's get into our uh, our injury report. Oh, I love this music. It always sounds real soothing for all these injuries. Uh, we're going to talk about <laughs> tonight's game first. Let's talk about tonight's game first. The injuries for tonight. Uh, Baltimore Ravens, Tampa Bay Bucks square off on Thursday night football. Calais Campbell is out for the Ravens uh, due to an illness. Uh, for Tampa, there's a long list of outs here. We have Cameron Bray, 
Carlton Davis, Russell Gage, Sean Murphy Bunting, Antoine Winfield, Luke Kadecki, just more and more injuries for the Tampa Bay Buccaneers, a long list of guys who are out. It's going to be tough for them. Um, that's a huge blow, huge blow to Tampa Bay. If they can't go in and get this win at home, they're going to be really behind the eight ball here. There's some questionable players as well. Julio Jones and Akeem Hicks are questionable. We all know how that goes to older players. And then for the Ravens, Mark Andrews, Rashad Bateman, Marlon Humphrey, a lot of guys wrong. State stand all guys that are questionable. I do expect most of those guys uh, to play. Now for Friday or for for this weekend, I should say, um, I'm going to start kind of by a position. I'm going to focus on the running back position just because there were some names that popped up over the last couple of days. We'll obviously start with the Dallas Cowboys. Ezekiel Elliott didn't practice, and he said that he's going to have a hard time trying to play this week because his knee is really sore. He took that hit, saw him come back in the game, finish the game but it's a sprained knee, he's a little bit sore. We all know it takes a lot for Zeke to miss time, um, but it might be a good time for him to miss. They'll have a bye week next week, Chicago this week. The people can get what they want. They get to see Tony Pollard for a full game against the Bears defense. It's better against the pass than against the run. And I'm sure after this week, we'll have more running back controversy uh, in, in Dallas. Um, Chuba Hubbard, who also had an ankle injury, didn't practice on Wednesday, uh, but a surprise name here. Josh Jacobs popped up on the injury report. He was limited in practice with a foot issue. Uh, but remember, guys, he's a dog. <laughs> so the dog Fair is going to be on the field. Fair Josh Jacobs is hey, not missing your, no You time. get your dog costume yet? You get your dog yeah, costume man, yet? I bought it yesterday. Way. It's on Listen, the way. Uh, I don't expect him to miss any time. It doesn't seem like there was much panic from the Raiders and their beat reporters and things like that. It's just kind of a more precautionary thing. Uh, James Conner and Daryl Williams also showed back up to practice on a limited basis. So two running backs that could cause some maybe some chaos in that Cardinals backfield after we saw Keontae Ingram and Eno Benjamin have pretty good days last week. Um, some other notable names that uh, may impact uh, Levi Wallace of the Steelers, one of their very few good defensive backs that um, has a shoulder shoulder injury shoulder injury he's something that says that he's going to be out this week uh ryan Tannehill did not practice uh, with that ankle injury uh, we talked about him being in a walking boot he's going to try to get out on the field but it could be malik willis you never know uh jahan dodson again not at practice for washington when is he going to come back that's a big thing and then of course the long list of 49ers injuries with eric armstead jawan jennings Debo Samuel, Kyle Juszczyk all did not practice on Wednesday. Uh, but again, this is a huge day for DMPs, and I could go on and on and on, but there's too, too many injuries. Check back tomorrow. Tomorrow we have a lot more clear idea about who's doing what. And then, of course, on Sunday during our fantasy show, we will have all the actives and actives for you guys uh, at that time. There you go. There you go. That does it for our injury report. AJ, load up those golden pipes before we get into our Week 8 season or week eight uh game previews all right ladies and gentlemen good morning thank you for rocking with sack city pod on your favorite uh video platform known as youtube while you're here go ahead and head over to facebook you know on a different tab don't leave us and uh, hit that like hit that follow on twitter hit that follow on instagram hit that follow make sure to heart like every single graphic you can see and then of course head over to tiktok all at sack city pod we love the support we love the fandom we love rocking with our fans come be a part of the city at sack city pod on facebook twitter instagram youtube and tiktok week eight is upon us and we got a good one for you benny take it away there you go there you go uh yeah let's uh let's get right into the uh inside the matchups for the nfc this week
let's do it. It's the Carolina Panthers heading to Atlanta to take on the Falcons, the two and five Panthers, three and four Falcons. Falcons open this one up uh, as the favorite by four and a half points with an over under of 41 in this game. These two offenses are almost identical. Uh, Both these teams are one and two in terms of rush rush percentage per game. Uh, They run the ball a lot, basically, for both these teams. Uh, The difference, though, for Carolina is, is this no more CMC? And last week we saw a lot of Donta Foreman. We saw a lot of Chuba Hubbard. Uh, Aaron, what do you expect to see from the Panthers' offense this week? Is it more of the same? I think yeah. This this game uh, this game kicks off at one, right? Kicks off at yep. one, one p.m. I think it'll be over by two. Um, so like, they, this is gonna just gonna run the clock out. Both teams. I don't know if they're gonna. Oh, your connection is shitty today. Your yeah. connection's brutal today. One passing. <laughs> Oh man, back to back. I I don't know if they're gonna. I don't. Yeah, I don't know what happened there. That was weird. I don't. That was like bad, bad. I don't know if they're gonna run the ball. Uh, I don't know if they're gonna throw the ball. You know, ten times between Mariota and PJ Walker. I expect a lot of run heavy offense here. Uh, but for Carolina, I think you have to. Uh, despite not having Christian McCaffrey, I think you have to start with the running game, and it opened some things up last week for DJ Moore and PJ Walker. Got it settled in nicely, got real comfortable, and was able to make a connection with DJ Moore. But outside of that, there really wasn't much. It's not like he had a a huge day where we're like, oh, PJ Walker looked great. No, it was DJ Moore and nothing else. Like so. Um, I think you have to get DJ more involved, but I think it starts with Deontay Foreman and Chuba Hubbard. And if they can continue to run the football, it'll open things up on the play action pass game and things of that nature for them. Um, Atlanta's defense is banged up in the secondary. So that could have, that could have an impact on what Carolina wants to do. But ultimately, you know me, how much I rely on the run game in just about every offense, unless you're Kansas city and Buffalo. And even then you have to be strategic with it. Um, it all starts up front. And I think both teams are going to be focused on doing that this Sunday. Coming into this week, only two teams had not been favorites in a game. It's the Atlanta Falcons and the Houston Texans. This week changes that as the Falcons are favored by four and a half points. AJ, uh, this has been a team that, I mean, Marcus Mariota, we've talked about a little bit with the rushing attack being such a big part of this team. Marcus Mariota has under 150 passing yards in four straight games this season. Uh, Is it? If they lose this game, do we really need to start considering throwing in Desmond Ritter, or is it just keep riding Marcus Mariota and just going with the flow? Um, Throwing in Desmond Ritter, to me, has at this point become a fan answer. I think the Falcons have made it pretty clear that they're going to ride out with Marcus Mariota. They lose this game. Uh, you can chalk it up to a divisional thing, uh, but it shouldn't happen. I mean, you got you got some substitute players in there, but they've – been very close against a, a Rams team. They beat the Bucks team. It's not like they fired their coach, got rid of CMC, and was chalking it up. They have a legitimate chance in this trap shit show of a division to become <laughs> the number one seed or the number one uh, position in this division. So um, if the Falcons lose this game, it's because Steve Wilkes made a good decision to take advantage of a banged-up secondary, get the game started with the run, and then let that – let that uh, connection with DJ Moore and maybe slide in a little Terrace Marshall to surprise some people, uh, let it get free. You look at what PJ Walker did the first co- the first week he was in against the Rams, about 80% of his passes, they were close to home, you know, behind the line at the line last week, they, uh, they 
brought it down to about 40% and let him throw downfield a little bit. If that was practice, now you have a team that doesn't have A.J. Terrell more than likely, doesn't have Casey Hayward. Jalen Hawkins has been banged up. Richie Grant has been banged up. If you go from 18% of throwing your passes 20 yards down the field and bump that up to 25, 26, they might find a little bit of light downfield and can push this ball, and that's going to cause problems for the Falcons. The best part is they've been competitive every single game, so I'd imagine they still keep it close with the way they run the ball. Um, but they may have, if they're going to ride with Marcus Mariota in a game with the player players like the Carolina Panthers in a division matchup, you may have to let him try to play some heroics. Show why you're keeping him in the game if it gets to that point late in. Yeah, and, and la- last week we talked about it. The Bengals they were up big in the fourth quarter, and Aaron, we we had discussed this the other day. The Falcons just kept running the ball, and it didn't it didn't matter what what the score was. They just kept running it. And That's in why this I hate game, that take. Well, That's why I hate that take. Of it's a, AJ said it's a fan answer to say, uh, when do we start looking at Desmond Ritter? No, that's a legitimate question that we've been asking about not only Marcus Mariota, but Ryan Tannehill and all those quarterbacks that do exactly what those guys are doing, which is nothing to win games, which is nothing to elevate your team to win games. There is nothing that Marcus Mariota is doing right now that Desmond Ritter can't do. Not one thing. That's not perfectly one. fine. But, so, but they've, so they've made it pretty clear answer. how they feel, though. But that's so, not the point. He asked you, do we need to start looking at perhaps when that time is for Desmond Ritter? And you said that is a fan answer. Because no, been that's, a legit, that's a legit question to Arthur Smith. Changed? It's but not about whether they anything? will change or not. It's about should they change? And you're telling me that basically they shouldn't change because that's not how they feel. Who cares? Arthur Smith was down they 18 care. points. They're the ones that make the choice. Arthur Smith was down 18 points and didn't trust Marcus Marietta to throw the ball. That tells so you everything you need to know. So why not put him in there? That's it. That's the point. The question wasn't, are they doing the right thing? The question to you was, should we start looking at Desmond Ritter being a starter? And you said, that is a fan answer. No, every analyst, every football mind outside of Arthur Smith, who's being very stubborn and not wanting to even acknowledge the question, is, is asking that question. So it's a valid question. It's the same question we have with Ryan Tannehill. There is no doubt that the Falcons should be looking at Desmond Ritter as a possible solution to get that offense rolling. Not only is the offense not working very well, but Des- uh, Kyle Pitts has basically been inadequate. Uh, Drake London has been a no-show for the ma- most part of the last three weeks. So wh- now you you use a first-round pick on a tight end, a first-round pick on a wide receiver, and now you're going to run the ball every play of the game with your starting running back who's been on injury reserve for four weeks. It makes the, the schematically, it makes no sense. And it, that's the problem. It's not about whether he wants to be stubborn. It makes no sense to say, we're going to invest in these positions that we're not going to use. That is true. They might as well just use those picks on offense alignment. And then said, we're a run first football team. I would have loved that. That would have been great. That, that's the point. So, so to say that's a fan, a fan response, I don't think that's a fan response. I think that's a very valid concern and question that should be asked to Arthur Smith and is but it's, at every single press conference. But it's been, but it's my point is it's been one for weeks and nothing has gone differently. So no, when I say and when that's I say his choice. fan answer, it just means it's the same thought process as them clamoring for Zappy in New England. We all want it, but they're gonna do what they're gonna do. That's basically what I'm saying. I would but love what happens you know, is I wanted Desmond pressure. Ritter to be the starter. You know, I wanted Desmond Ritter to be the starter for the Atlanta Falcons for two years. I'm not I'm not asking <laughs> you from a personal standpoint. The the question really is is 
that pressure has to be applied to Arthur Smith in order for that change to happen. And so the questions are valid. And those questions need to continue from the media, from the people that are having talk shows, because eventually that pressure, it bursts pipes. Matt Ryan gets bitched. Zappy gets in the game. So like these things happen because there's so much pressure on these coaches. The fact of the matter is, is the Falcons offense isn't working right now. They're not good enough to beat teams. They, they can hang around in games, but overall they can't win these games. Um, the defense is not helping. They give up the most yards in the NFL, especially the most pass yards. And now you have a Carolina team that has nothing to lose. They're going to come in here and just play free and loose like they did against Tampa. And that is a dangerous team. That's a scary, that's a scary team. I do think Atlanta um, wins. Uh, I think, do, I think, I do think Atlanta comes away with the win, but uh, why are you scowling Vinny? Uh, right. Does that mean we do it? Hold on, <laughs> like, we yeah, I didn't to... understand. I was rolling into it. <laughs> you do, you I, do not think you do not think Atlanta wins. You said I mean, I, mean, me... I think Carolina. No, I, I mean, that's what I meant. I meant Carolina. Uh, <laughs> yeah, that's, I, I just, uh, that's you, why you I was scowling. You were scowling at it because... like it started throwing me off. I, I, I was I scowling because you I said, "Yeah." I was yeah, like, I, "Wait, I, wait, I, wait! Did I fuck yeah. this up?" I have Carolina winning this game for two reasons. I'm not going to be there, most likely. <laughs> That's number one. <laughs> Seems like when I go to the games, Atlanta wins. Like, swear, they go beat the Niners, they beat the Browns. Like, I was like, okay, I'm the good luck charm. Where the hell are you uh, going, man? <laughs> <laughs> I'm taking Sunday off. I'm taking Sunday off. Uh, Carolina gets this one. I, I do think that they have nothing to lose, and I like that mentality of playing free and loose and just go play. And Atlanta's defense is really banged up. 26-20 Carolina. Yeah, there was a possibility that, you know, I should go that way. But uh, like you, when you're not there, they lose. Like me, when I pick against them, <laughs> they, they win. So maybe I should have picked against them. But uh, I'm going to roll with my Falcons this time around. And uh, I got them winning 24-21 in a close game. Um, I, th- I think they'll be able to run it enough to to slow the, the rest of this, uh, this game down. And the Falcons won't have enough time uh, to put the points on the board needed to win. Aaron, do you have the Top picks papers. listed? Like, uh, like, uh, do you have the sheet near you of like picks and My stuff? My sheet. Yeah. Well, like, no, 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 no. Like, our like, no. I- I'm trying to remember no. who I picked yesterday for Thursday night football. Did I pick the Bucks or the Ravens? You picked Baltimore. I picked Baltimore. Great. That then that that flows into my narrative that I'm trying to spew here. Uh, I have the Falcons winning this game, 27-23, because if if the Bucks lose tomorrow tonight, then the Falcons have a chance to be first in this division. That's going to add to the motivation of winning this football game. And maybe in a close game, we don't see Arthur Smith say, okay, let's run the ball a bunch of times. And they say, okay, let's go out and win this football game. They win 27, 23 Falcons. There you go. You're welcome. You're welcome week eight, week we're the division champs and, and four and four, guys. Yeah, let's go. Hey, hey, that's the motivation right there. That's that that's the motivation right there. They're gonna see a they're gonna see a wide open NFC South and they're gonna take it this week you know, by being the quick, Panthers you know, 27-23. I remember uh in the offseason, y'all laughed at me because I said the Falcons have a chance to win this division. That was while Tom Brady was retired. I never thought in a million years when he came back. They would Little still have a chance as of right now. There's a lot of football to be left, but it's, well, just, it's just quite interesting. Well, I, don't they, I don't know if I'd say the Saints. <laughs> I, I, I don't know if I would say they have a chance, but, you know, I just, you know. All right, there you go. <laughs> Next game on our list is the Chicago Bears heading to Dallas to take on the Cowboys. 
Cowboys are favorites in this game by nine and a half points with an over under of 42 and a half. Justin Fields for the Bears is the most sacked quarterback in the league, most pressured quarterback in the league. And now he's matched up against one of the best pass rushes in the league in the Dallas Cowboys. H.A., how how do you game plan for this if you're if you're the Bears and you're trying to avoid killing your future franchise quarterback? What's the game plan have to look like? It looks a lot like it looked against the Patriots uh, for it does with Justin Fields. You actually have designed runs for a Justin Field. You use his his strengths to attack. You get him out in space. You allow him to run the ball. And then that way, once he's dropping back, there's always that chance that he can run the ball. And you have to keep somebody in to watch him, which allows him to have some time to throw. It's going to be very tough because this is one of the best defenses in the league. This is a guy, a team that can get after the quarterback. There's a Micah Parsons who you never know where he's going to be. And wherever he decides to line up, he's still capable of beating you from that position. But if you want a good chance, if you want to be able to put points on the board, you have to attack it with the run game. You have to allow Justin Fields to use his legs and not just from a place of fear, but from a place of confidence and, uh, and desire. And I think that starts – with getting those design runs like he did last week uh, against the Patriots. And we, we talk about the Patriots. They know what they want to do on the defensive side of the ball when someone's coming in and they weren't able to stop it. I'm not saying it's going to be that easy against Dallas. They've proven to do what they need on the defensive side of the ball. But uh, it starts with being able to run the ball with Justin Fields and allowing him to get out in space. First of all, Vinny, don't ever disrespect my Dallas Cowboys again. One of the best pass the best pass rush in the NFL. The best. <laughs> They lead in sacks. They lead in, lead in win rate, pass rush win rate. They are the best pass rush in the NFL, and this is going to absolutely, absolutely be a massacre of Justin Fields. Justin Fields doesn't have a chance, and it's not his fault. You have a, the great pass rush of the Dallas Cowboys, the number one in the league, and then one of the worst offensive lines, if not the worst offensive line in all of football. And he'll get his, he'll get his little escapes every now and then and get some yards, but Dallas will live with that. Dallas doesn't care if Justin Fields is out there running around because eventually you're going to get smacked by Michael Parsons. You're going to get smacked by Demarcus Lloyds. You're going to be smacked by Dorrance Armstrong and, and, you know, Leighton Vander Esch and Anthony Barr and those guys. Um, eventually they're going to get to him and eventually it's just going to be too much. And then you're going to start seeing the turnovers, the fumbles, the, the forced throws, the interceptions by Trayvon Diggs. Uh, this Dallas defense is going to be too much. For the Chicago Bears. The difference between playing a Patriots team and playing a Dallas Cowboys team is Dallas is not afraid to give up big plays, right? So Dallas will take chances. And then what happens with those chances? Justin Fields is trying to fit balls in like he did against New England. New England doesn't take a lot of chances. They just play very sound football. Dallas takes chances and uh, they're going to get some turnovers and that's going to be the difference. They've, they've been able to turn the ball over. They're second in the NFL in turnover differential only behind Philly, who's also really good at the things that I mentioned that Dallas is good at. Um, I just think it's too much. And then offensively, I, I, I think Dallas will do enough. I don't think it's going to look great, but I think Dallas will do enough to, uh, to kind of move the ball and score. That, that's where I was trying to, I was going to shift next is defensively for the bears. That's kind of, that's their strong point. That's what they, what they're, they're the best at is their, is their defense, not the best in the league, but the best in terms of their offense and defense. Uh, and last week we saw Dak Prescott uh, in his return only throw for just a little bit more than 200 yards. It wasn't really a phenomenal game for Dak Prescott. It wasn't a bad game by any means, but now you might be looking at a no Ezekiel Elliott in this offense and Dak Prescott now having a second week um, back what do you want to see from this offense, uh, particularly with Dak Prescott this week against a better Bears defense? Nothing. I don't think it matters. As long as you don't turn the football over. 
I think people want to keep pushing the narrative. Dak has to be something special, and he doesn't. He has to be what we talked about the other day. He can be Cooper Rush. That's great. And then in the moments when they need him the most, make the throw. And in the second half of that Detroit game, he made a number of throws that Cooper Rush wouldn't even have tried. And he made the throws, they scored some points, and they won the game. He doesn't have to be Patrick Mahomes. Just because you pay a guy to be a franchise quarterback, you need him to be what your franchise needs. And they need Dak Prescott to be smart with the football. And then in the moments when the defense does give up some points, when the defense is tired and on the field a little bit too much and gives up something and they're behind or they need a late fourth quarter drive, that Dak Prescott can go down the field and do that. That's what you pay $230 million to Russell Wilson for, five hundred dollars to Patrick Mahomes, $40 million a year to Dak Prescott. All the in-between stuff, just don't turn the football over. When it matters the most, go win the game. And, that, and at the end of the day, that's that's what I'm looking for. As long as he doesn't turn the football over, I'll be very satisfied. What you got? What, what, I'll go to AJ first on the predictions here then. AJ, what do you have for this game? Uh, I got Dallas uh, getting the W here, 28-14. to 14. Just the fact, one, that they're really good on defense. Uh, Dak being back is a big deal for me. And then I think with this short week, uh, <laughs> the tiresome, that the Bears are going to be coming up against a pass rush like this. I don't think they'll have enough in this game to uh, to hold their own. Give me Dallas twenty eight fourteen. Yeah, I'll, I'm gonna I'm gonna slide in next here. I I don't have the Bears scoring this many points, and I I wanted to almost go less than ten points uh, in this game. And AJ, you brought up a very good point. This is also a short week for the for the Bears uh, as well, which just adds to the disadvantages already facing the best defense in the NFL. Uh, you might see a man die on the field this weekend and uh, <laughs> give me the Cowboys here, 26-10. <laughs> yeah, I got Dallas to uh, 27-16. Bears get some late points uh, at the end just because Dallas gets mad and goes over their average of only allowing 14 a game. But Dallas wins 27 <laughs> <laughs> I mean, the, the Cowboys are averaging <laughs> giving, four, giving up 14 points a game. They, you know, they're late in the game. They're up by – it's like 27 to – to 10 or something they pull their starters out bears go down score a touchdown just because or something like that not just a, a just because you heard it here first folks a just because touchdown from the bears uh in this game but we all have the cowboys <laughs> with the clean sweep over the bears the next game on our list is the miami dolphins traveling to detroit to take on the lions the dolphins coming off of a uh a very close Closer than they probably wanted to win <laughs> over the Pittsburgh Steelers and the Lions offense and team really that has been reeling for the past few weeks being shut out by the New England Patriots and then that loss against the Cowboys uh, last week. Uh, the Dolphins here are three and a half point favorites. The over-under is 51 and a half. Lots of points expected in this one. AJ, what are we expecting to see from this Lions offense who's been banged up? Uh, and we talk about, we've talked about it before this week that without – DeAndre Swift without a Monterey St. Brown, this offense looks completely different. What are we expecting this week from them? Well, luckily they should have both those guys back. Uh, DeAndre Swift has been practicing all week. Um, from what I recall, Monterey St. Brown did not have a concussion, but thanks to the quarterback on the other side of this game. Now, if you uh, blink after you get hit, you have to be taken out of the game for the whole time. So um, luckily I think they should have both of those guys back. Um, and hopefully that allowed Jared Goff to actually play some football. 
Uh, he has not been good over the last couple of weeks. Uh, maybe sure pour out some yards, but turning the ball over, not getting into the end zone, that's not going to work. Um, so with the bevy of your offensive weapons in the Monra, DeAndre Swift finding the ball to TJ Hawkinson, um, they have an opportunity to, to put some put some points back on this board. But the question is the same with the Lions. It's not about their offense, unfortunately. It's like what is their defense going to be able to do? And this time it's against a team that has better offensive weapons, and they're not going to be able to stop them. So um, as far as the Lions' offense. Just get back on track. Let DeAndre do what he need, does best. Let Jamal Williams take it around the goal line. Get him on around the ball back to his eight reception self and uh, see if he can put some points up on a defense that is up and down. But when they're really good, they're really good. When they're not as good, you can they can be had. So put some points on the board to be happy. On the Dolphins side, Aaron, last week they, they kept it close uh, with the Pittsburgh Steelers, and it wasn't the cleanest of games from Tua Tagovailoa. And in his press conference, he owned up to it. He said there were some throws he shouldn't have made. A lot of close turnovers there for him in that game. Uh, what do you want to see from this Dolphins offense here uh, this week against the Lions? Uh, the same stuff I've been seeing all year. we got to realize Tua didn't play for almost a month um, before coming back on the field, and we expect him just to come back and be – the same player? No, it was very much similar to the Dak Prescott conversation. He didn't got to come in, get your feet wet. I saw some good throws early in that game. And then, yeah, he was trying to force some stuff a little bit late and probably should have had some interceptions that didn't get caught. But I have no concerns about what Tua and, and the Miami Dolphins are doing. Tua's third in the league in QBR. He's shown that he's a quarterback who can be efficient, effective, and he has two of the best weapons in the NFL that are dynamic playmakers that are, you know, leading the leagues into or leading the league in receiving. When you talk about Tyreek Hill and Jalen Waddle, two of the top five receivers in this league right now um, when it comes to yardage and things like that. So um, I I don't think there's really any concerns here. It's a bad Detroit defense. I think Tua will continue to, to progress where he was going when they started 3-0. and And I think that the Dolphins handled business here pretty easily. Uh, I'm going to take the Dolphins in this one, 33-20. I do agree with AJ that the defense sometimes has lapses in in judgment or, but I it feel like they play when they need to play. Like when it's, when it's, they, when they have to make a play, they usually do. And they've been banged up in that back end, but I think they, they do. Okay. AJ, what do you got? Yeah. Uh, and I also have the uh, Dolphins in this one. I got them for 31 to 20. Um, I do think the, the Lions will have enough offensive power to put some points on the board. Uh, for their sake, this this prediction can be different if they can put the points up quickly. But I have a feeling it's gonna be it's gonna take a little while to get going, and it may be too little, too late. The Dolphins got to a back and with four and zero within this season as of right now. So <laughs> I think it's looking pretty good that they can get the W. Thirty one twenty Miami Dolphins. Another clean sweep from everybody here. I have them thirty to twenty. I originally had them at thirty three to twenty <laughs> until Aaron's pick came up, and then I was wait, like, wait, I gotta wait, change wait. it. All of us have 30, it's 30, 33, or 30, 31, and 33 to 20. Yeah. Yeah. 20, yeah. 20 points is a solid number for the for the Detroit Lions here. And I originally had the same score you had, Aaron, until you sent me your predictions. And then I was like, ah, I can't have that. So I changed it. Uh, but so forgot funny. to change the Lions side of things. Um, but 33 20, uh, Dolph, or 30 to 20 Dolphins in this game. It's a clean sweep. This is not much to talk about because, well, this offense for the Dolphins, we all expect to. Two is 12, 10 and two or 12 and two in his last 14, 12 or 14 starts. They won't good? give him his flowers, man. Just saying. Is that good? They won't give him his flowers. 
What's what's Herbert? What's Herbert in his last twelve starts? <laughs> oh, all right, all right, all right, all right. Next game on our list it's the Arizona Cardinals traveling to Minnesota to take on the Vikings. This is a, a matchup between two teams that have pretty good offenses, uh, pretty good defenses as as of late as well. Uh, the Cardinals enter this game three and four. The Vikings at five and one, looking good coming out of their bye. Uh, Aaron, what do you? What do you make of this this Vikings team right now? With at five and one coming out of the bye, what what do we expect to see from them the rest of the season and in this game in particular uh, against the Cardinals? Well, I expect to see good offense because um, that's what they've always been is is a good offensive football team. Uh, Dalvin Cook get a week to rest that shoulder up. Jay Jett is obviously a top receiver in the league. Uh, Kirk Cousins is going to be Kirk Cousins. He'll play well unless it's a primetime game, and then he won't. Um, so they have they have the weapons on offense to be a good offense. The question mark will always remain until they prove it is consistency on the defensive side of the football. Can you be consistent? And I think that's what we're asking each and every week. We're we're seeing, hey, can this team stop people on third down? Can this team create turnovers to get off the field? And we've seen some of that in in opportunistic uh, times this year, late in that game against um, in London against the Saints. We saw it against the Bears. Like I think that. This is a team that has the capability of doing it. They are young at some certain pieces, uh, but they got to continue to grow. So Darius Smith is big for them, getting him from Green Bay and his ability to rush the passer. Patrick Peterson being a veteran on that back end. They have to continue to progress defensively and hope that at the end of the season, they're in a situation where they can say, okay, our defense is adequate enough to make a playoff run because we know what we're going to get from the offensive side of the football. And I think that I think it continues. I think they're going to continue to win games. And when they play a matchup against the powerhouses, is when they get exposed usually. And that was Philly, right? That was uh, against Philly this year. Maybe against another team we'll, we'll see. But um, I don't know what their schedule actually looks like when they play those tough opponents. But that's really where I'm gauging Minnesota as, as at, those, at that point in time. For the Cardinals on the other side, AJ, they are coming off of a 42-34 win over the Saints last week on Thursday Night Football. They've had a little bit of extra rest as well. And it was really the same old, same old from Kyler Murray and DeAndre Hopkins. DeAndre Hopkins, 10 receptions, 103 yards uh, last week in his season debut. Uh, is this is this offense, is the key to this offense as simple as DeAndre Hopkins just has to be in the lineup, or is there more to it? I, I mean, I, I really think it is. Uh, he's uh, number one receiver who's proven himself in this league. Even in a down year, he was still given defensive fits. He couldn't score a lot of yards, didn't get a lot of receptions. That's cool. He put up eight touchdowns in, in seemingly no time. You look at last week, his first week back, the excitement they had with this man, 48% of the target share last week. That's astronomical. Leads the league in one on one uh, game this season. Um, and now you get to do that against a Vikings team, which a lot of us are waiting to see the shoe drop. And this could easily be the week that it happens. A lot of people are expecting the five and one Vikings to go in there and take care of the Cardinals who can't score first quarter touchdown, who keeps losing in close games. Um, I don't know if that's the case. I mean, you look at what uh, the Vikings are. They're 31st against the pass and 31st against number one wide receivers. And when you look at a DeAndre Hopkins, it may not be as easy as 48% of the target share, but it's going to be enough where they're going to have some problems. And now Robbie Anderson, who obviously we can't speak so much about our Robbie Anderson, but uh, you know, another week in a new offense and an offense that wants us to uh, spread the ball out and air the ball out. Uh, you, you replace that deep threat of Marquise Brown for a couple of weeks. Maybe he gets going a little bit and Kyler can use these weapons. So um, 
I do think putting in a DeAndre Hopkins makes this offense look a little bit, a lot different, actually. It allows Kyler Murray to feel a little bit more comfortable. He, I honestly think he felt more comfortable than he ever has this season now that DeAndre Hopkins is back. Just look at the way he went at Cliff Kingsbury. <laughs> uh, so to me, that's how easy it is uh, with the DeAndre Hopkins back in the lineup. Oh, my God, my guy, AJ. I disagree. I disagree. I don't think there was that much of a difference. Um, I do want to I do want to say that DeAndre Hopkins looked good and Kyler Murray throwing to DeAndre Hopkins looked good, but Kyler Murray throwing to Hollywood Brown looked good. And Hollywood Brown had led the NFL in target share percentage before he got hurt. I think the offense looked exactly the same. Kyler Murray still ended up only throwing for 200 yards. We look at the big scoring numbers. And we thought that was their offense, but no, it was their defense. They created four turnovers in the game. Three of them put them in the red zone um, in that game. Andy Dalton threw two pick sixes right before the half, which allowed that momentum to go. But if you look at that game and watched Kyler Murray play, he was still 20 of 29, didn't look that great, was sacked twice. He, had he, he again, had threw the one touchdown, but it wasn't like they were out there airing the ball around. It was just DeAndre Hopkins. It was 10 catches, 100 yards. I didn't think the offense looked good at all, um, from a, especially from a passing perspective, which is what we were kind of thinking DeAndre Hopkins would do. I thought they missed Hollywood Brown significantly. Rondell Moore hasn't really produced the way he's supposed to be producing. I have serious concerns for the Arizona Cardinals offense because I've seen this before. I've seen, oh, drop back and just throw it to DeAndre Hopkins. That's great. But if you don't have anything else that's going for you, I think you're going to run into some problems. And maybe it might not be this week against Minnesota because Minnesota's defense isn't elite, but – you look at the rest of that offensive game plan and it really didn't look any different than the first few weeks of the season. They just put up more points because their defense helped them out. I guess, I guess kind of in a way, and it's unfair to have done it this way. I'm thinking about it with a Hollywood Brown in the mix. Uh, they, they really missed having a second receiver. I mean, the timing couldn't have been worse for them to get DeAndre Hopkins back and the guy he traded for it goes down. You know, if Robbie Anderson had been there a week, sooner maybe they get to utilize him too because when Robbie Anderson has a guy willing to throw the ball he can he can he can be something special and I, I, I think I, I think I think he will I mean I mean poor guys had Sam Darnold Baker Mayfield Sam Darnold and Baker Mayfield uh, you know now he gets a talented receiver and uh and I think that can change some things for him um so and I agree I, I wasn't thinking about the points because it was the defense last uh, last week with the against the Saints and and I, I am aware of that but I believe the confidence level, the the connection and the chemistry that a DeAndre Hopkins has with the Kyler Murray, uh, it just it just feels different, and it feels like the trending is going to head in the right direction. I can't speak exactly to what I think Robbie Anderson is going to be this week. Uh, I just think he has the potential to be better now that he has, I guess, another fresh start, one that he basically chose. Maybe not the. <laughs> Maybe I got I got vertigo, bro. Maybe not the destination, but the fact that he's no longer uh, with Carolina that may be enough to just get him enjoying football again. And uh, Vinny, Vinny, and, and Vinny's over there gonna, screwing up. He's on mute. He's yeah, over there oh, trying to talk. Yeah. Well, he's I'm, on, happy, he's I'm happy I was on mute because I didn't want to throw off AJ on on his on on the ending of his statement. And I also <laughs> didn't have B-roll or a graphic to cover my transition like I normally do. So uh, I, I just th- I just think that I just think that this is more Cliff. Cliff Kingsbury. Kingsbury. <laughs> yeah. Cliff Kingsbury. Kingsbury's Cliff issues. Kingsbury. Issues. Yeah, I just think it's a Cliff Kingsbury <laughs> issue because um, <laughs> that's why it hasn't looked very good. That's why. I mean, it's not just the, it's not the personnel to me. Like, I do think I think Rondell right. Moore is talented. I think DeAndre Hopkins is great. Eno Benjamin and them can get, but it just doesn't look explosive like we thought it was going to be under Cliff Kingsbury. And I think that's that's his issue. He needs to figure out a way, regardless of who's out there in whiteout. 
I oh, am. I'm gonna start. <laughs> no, yeah, I, I, you've been, you've been picking first, and I, and AJ, you've also been picking first too. I, I was gonna my throw in my pick to try and throw. Yeah, um, I have the Vikings in this game, 33-31. Uh, I think it's a high-scoring game. I don't think both defense. I, I think both defenses are are kind of who they are. I don't think that they're that phenomenal. I get the the turnovers that the Cardinals had last week with Andy Dalton at quarterback. Uh, I'm not sure that Kirk Cousins turns the ball over that much in this game, in, in this game specifically. Um, and I think it's a little bit of a high scoring matchup. 33, 31 Minnesota Vikings, Aaron, who you got? Yeah, I have Minnesota in this one as well. I have Minnesota winning 35 to 28. Uh, again, high scoring game. I think both offenses will be okay in this one. Deandre Hopkins should have a good day. Um, I'm hoping that Arizona's offense shows up, um, but I think Minnesota is the better football team overall. And I think they get the win here at home. All right, if I'm not mistaken, this is our first not clean sweep. Uh, I am going with the Cardinals in this game. I think they get back-to-back Ws. I think they start uh, putting some things together. Maybe low-scoring, low thinking about the Vikings and all their offensive power, only putting up 24 points. Uh, but who knows, this defense is not just last week, uh, but has started doing some things correctly. They have been getting pressure on the quarterback a little bit more, and that might come into effect. So uh, I'm, I'm going to stick with the score, 27-24, and uh, see if the Cardinals can pull one out. It uh, is our second not clean sweep. Uh, I, we all had different uh, answers for Carolina and Atlanta. Um, uh, oh, yeah, he picked yeah. Carolina because he's not going to be there. That's right. Yeah, That's right. yeah, something along something <laughs> along those lines. Uh, but two for Minnesota, one for Arizona in this game. Uh, if the Vikings do win, they would move to six and one, and what a start that would be uh, for a Vikings team coming back with a new head coach this year. Uh, it would be a great start uh, for the Vikings. The next game on our list is the Las Vegas Raiders traveling to New Orleans to take on the Saints. Uh, the the Raiders coming into this game two with with just two wins, I should say. Uh, they are two and what what are they? Why am I not seeing the two and four? Two, two and four. and four. I was like, why is this not why is this not available and readily available for myself? Uh Raiders are two and four. Saints are two and five in this matchup. Raiders do have the advantage. They get the points uh here, minus one and a half, uh, with an over-under of 49 and a half. Aaron, last week we saw our your guy. I'm not I'm not gonna take credit for Josh Jacobs because you were all aboard the Josh Jacobs train well before anyone else. Your guy, Josh Jacobs, handled business for the Raiders uh, with another 140-plus rushing yard game, dominating in the touchdowns, three rushing touchdowns, 20 carries. The The Raiders are finding their key to success of Josh Jacobs. We've talked about that heavily. But on the Saints' side, it's almost a similar thing. The key to their success is Alvin Kamara. And when they give Alvin Kamara the touches, they're normally getting the wins which team needs their running back more, though? Ooh. Um, damn it. I can't even say I can't even say Josh Jacobs and the Raiders. Um, because I'll be honest, I I I truly believe they both need him heavily, but I, I would have to lean towards Alvin Kamara because the Saints offense is nothing without Alvin Kamara. Um, this is the driving force, and the Saints have a really good rush offense as well. A lot of that has to do with Taysom Hill. Uh, but but Alvin Kamara is just the Swiss army knife of a player that he is. His ability to get out of the backfield and create openings and space on the field for other players is, is very unparalleled in the NFL. It's very Christian McCaffrey-like, and I know he doesn't get the volume or the opportunities that Christian McCaffrey gets, but I do believe Alvin Kamara with those opportunities could do Christian McCaffrey numbers and do what Christian McCaffrey does. He's that type of player. So for me, it's the Saints having to get Alvin Kamara involved, especially when you're going to start – 
uh, Andy Dalton, who we saw turn the ball over twice, two pick sixes, cost him that win, really. Find ways to check it down. Find ways to get the ball in the hands of Alvin Kamara. And then you take your shots with Chris Olave or deep ball over the middle to the tight end, Juwan Johnson. Or, or again, in the red zone, they use Taysom Hill a lot. So it gets their offense rolling, and it allows them to get into rhythm and stay in front of the chains. And that's when they're at their best. That's when the Saints are actually an effective offensive football team. Um, so you got to go with Alvin Kamara as far as being a focal point. I do think the Raiders have an advantage of having Derek Carr and Devontae Adams to say, hey, if the running game is not working, we might not always be able to do it, but we could go win a game if we had to uh, with the guy with guys like that. Does uh, Does Alvin Kamara get in the end zone this week? Man, look, I don't care about your fantasy team, Vinny. I don't have Alvin Kamara. <laughs> I have him on one of them. But you, no, when has, you ask that question, it's yeah, always no, about it's all player about your fantasy. This team. is this is more of the fact that he was sixth in the NFL last year in, in touchdowns and this year. He I don't think it matters. I don't think it matters because those touchdowns that T- Taysom Hill is getting, they easily could be Alvin Kamara's. They're just using Taysom Hill in that role. So Taysom Hill might get the touchdowns and Alvin Kamara might get the usage in yards uh, from a game. Again, from a non-fantasy perspective, it doesn't matter. It doesn't matter if, if Calvin Kamara is taking him down the field and getting him into the red zone and then they want to go with Taysom Hill. Sure. Why not? It doesn't matter. All right. It wasn't fantasy related, but but thank you very much for answering it uh, on the Raiders. Like, yeah, it is. It is. But I, it's just, it was an interesting note. And I did say it wrong. Alvin Kamara is sixth in the NFL in terms of touchdowns um, in his first five seasons in the NFL. So like, never mind. disregard my stat. It's a mess. Raiders things. You talk about Josh Jacobs being a big part of this team, but their big off season move was to acquire Devonte Adams this past year to hook him up with Derek Carr. AJ, what's your assessment through, uh, six games for the Raiders of Devontae Adams and Derek Carr. I mean, they like each other. They're good friends. Oh, <laughs> Devontae good. Adams is really good at football. I mean, yeah, good. Uh, did it move the needle as much as we were expecting? Apparently not. But that just goes to show you, and Aaron says this all the time, wide receivers are not the reason you win football games. They help. <laughs> they're a big part of it. Uh, but they're not the one-all, end-all, be-all. Uh, the Raiders have a lot to focus on, and uh, the fact that their offense does have this power, they've been winning two out of the last three games, but where does that come from? That guy back there on that screen up there, that dog, Josh Mr. Jacobs, uh, being able to run the ball with him because these teams can't just be like, oh, we have to tr- attack all of our attention to Josh Jacobs because if we do that, now I have to worry about Devontae Adams being one-on-one on the outside and no no defensive players winning that. Now I have to worry about Hunter Renfro coming across the middle in the slot, and most of the times he's going to win. Darren Waller is going to be healthy again this week. He's probably going to be uh, a problem if they just focus on Josh Jacobs. So bringing Devontae Adams in is a big help because now it just brings it spreads the defense just that much more thin. Uh, the connection with Derek Carr and Devontae Adams when he needs a guy, he's got a go-to guy. De- De- Devontae Adams is a go-to guy for any quarterback, and he's had the luxury of being able to get a very good friendship and chemistry with Aaron Rodgers when he's at Green Bay. And now he's had the luxury to go to a guy who's always had a great friendship with and has continued this chemistry, um, the go-to guy for Der- uh, Derek Carr. And if there's some uh, – what's it called? Heroism? He- I can't say the word. It's, it's, it's leaving me. But if Derek Carr needs to be a hero <laughs> – uh, Playing hero ball. He's got a guy that he knows can help him do it on the other side. <laughs> That word just literally just jumped out of my brain right when I wanted to see it. He's like, nope. He's like, nope. I don't want to. I don't want to go out. I don't want to. Um, all right. Well, <laughs> let's uh, let's do predictions here. I've got the Raiders here, 28-24. Not much to this. I think this is this game does come down 
to both running backs, and I will go with the hotter running back here in Josh Jacobs and take the Raiders 28-24. AJ, who you got? Um, I got the Raiders in a slightly higher scoring game, uh, 31-27, I think I said. I can just look at it right there on the screen. See? Boom, there it is. Uh, 31-27. Saints defense, not great. Uh, Honestly, way worse than we thought they would be. Uh, The Raiders will be able to put up some points, and the Saints find ways to put up points. So I think this is going to be a little bit of a shootout. Uh, 31-27, Raiders. Yeah, Raiders. Yeah, I'm taking the Raiders as well. Um, I think the Raiders running game is going to work. The Saints are bottom half against run defense, which is weird because they've been in the top five run defense teams for since I can remember. Um, and this year they're just not. They're getting ran on. Um, Raiders have been running it well. Give me the Raiders here, 27-23. All right. The next game on our list, it's the Pittsburgh Steelers and the Philadelphia Eagles. A battle for Pennsylvania here. Uh, between these two teams uh the eagles coming into this game with a nine they've won nine straight home games against the pittsburgh steelers uh nine straight games against pittsburgh steelers in philadelphia they're undefeated obviously this season it's a big deal for the eagles we talked about it earlier on in this show they just went out and acquired robert quinn this team is just getting better and better now coming out of the bye uh what do we what do we expect in this game from this from the eagles uh, here, AJ. Uh, I'm expecting a lot of fun uh, coming off a of bye. They want to get back to playing football. Um, I, I'm looking to see what connections been made and if this offense can continue to get more potent. We've seen it kind of go back and forth from an AJ Brown to a Devonte Smith. Uh, Miles Sanders gets in the usage. I want to see if if uh, Jalen Hurts can sustain them both for a game. Can can you get? Devontae Smith the ball when you want. Can you get A.J. Brown the ball if you want? Can Miles Sanders find some holes and find a way to, to get uh, to move the ball almost seemingly at will? I don't mean to disrespect the Steelers. Um, you know, they just their defense hasn't been what they are. And before what they were, sorry. Uh, and before T.J. Watt gets back, uh, the, the Eagles have a very solid opportunity here to take advantage of it. Uh, coming off the bye, being fresh, uh, having fresh legs for Jalen Hurts, um, I want to see him sustain an offense because we know this defense is going to be a solid part of a deep run in the playoffs. We have the question of what Jalen Hurts and an offense can do in the playoffs. And it's time to continue. It's time to show that you can be consistent and be a potent offense. A la the one that won the Super Bowl five years ago when they needed to score at will. They did. Aaron, yeah, this, this game is. A, oh, go ahead. Go ahead. No, 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 no go ahead. Question. Go ahead. No, no, I was just going to say this game. Is no, 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 go ahead. I was just gonna say this game is this game's tough, tougher than I think um than I think this is than it's gonna be led on to believe. Like talk about the eleven point spread there. Uh, yeah. I have them That's... I have them covering that, but but there is something to be said about what Pittsburgh does against good teams or teams that we perceive as good. They win and they beat the Bengals week one. They they only they got blown out by Buffalo, I will give you that. But then they come and they beat Tampa and they played them close and I just never know with this team. Like it's so hard to tell which Steelers team is going to go up. Is, is it going to be the team that schemed up really well and, and coached really well and makes it close? Or is it going to be the team that just decides not to play that week? So um, I don't have a lot on this game. Philly should win. They're the better team. They should, they should really eat, beat them pretty handily, but I don't know if that's going to be the case. Well, I mean, we talked about when they played the Bills of the, that Bills game. They were they were so much heavily 
they were heavily favorited against the Steelers, uh, and then they ended up smoking them. Um, but the in this game, it's a little bit – that's what I'm saying. In this game, it's a little bit different. Uh, the Steelers – and this is a little fun fact here. The Steelers are one of three teams with a winning record against 6-0 and or better teams since 1970. So only three teams in the NFL in NFL history since well in the NFL since 1970 have a winning record against six and zero teams. The Steelers are one of them. Um, has nothing to do with this game, uh, and, and for that, <laughs> and, 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 and for that, I have the Eagles crushing the Steelers here, 35-14, 35-14 covering the spread, and go Eagles to seven and zero. Oh. Yeah, I got the uh, Eagles in this one as well. We're gonna go with them, twenty-eight to seventeen. Uh, I wanted, I wanted to get them in the thirties, but uh, man, Mike Tomlin, he just garners so much respect for me. I think they'll find a way to stop them from hitting them thirties. Uh, twenty-eight seventeen is what I'm gonna stick with. I want to change my pick. Okay, do it. <laughs> I'm gonna take, I'm gonna take the upset here. Um. I'm going to say Pittsburgh goes on the road and, and hands Philly their first loss. What's <laughs> so funny? 24-23. So for you go from originally having the Steelers losing this game 31-20 to... I just said I'm going to change my pick. I know, but like that's such a drastic change. It is a drastic... That is a drastic... One score change. for each team. What? But... Is a big deal. What went in? Let, let's talk about it though. Let's let's talk about it. What is going into it's, that? It's what Pittsburgh does. This is what Pittsburgh does. There's no. I'm not. I'm. Everything logically says take Philly. Take. I have what 31 to 20 or something like that. Like. That, yeah. That's logically that's what it should be. Vegas agrees. 11 point spread. But there's something about what Pittsburgh does in games that they're not supposed to win. And I I I, I like that. I love Mike Tomlin. I know he's going to have his team prepared. And the thing I worry about most with Philly is getting away from the run game when they shouldn't. And then Minka Fitzpatrick making a couple of plays. And just like that week one, let Jalen Hurts throw an interception early in that game to Minka Fitzpatrick and that momentum change and that momentum shift. I, I just 24, 23 Pittsburgh. There's no rhyme. There's no reason I'm, I'm owning that. It's probably not a logical pick, but I just have a feeling that there's going to be an upset this week. And I think the Steelers, uh, get the Eagles are not going undefeated. I promise you that. Yeah, they I'm tell you right now. Actually. They are not going undefeated. They are going to lose to a team, and it's probably going to be a team that we didn't think they were going to lose to. And I like this matchup for Pittsburgh. I'd like it more if it was in Pittsburgh, but it's the same state, so it's close enough. Yeah, yeah. I'd like it more if it wasn't off a of bye. I feel I feel like that that's leaning favor uh, to the Eagles, I'd, but I'd I mean, like I, it, I ain't knocking like man's feelings. I'd like it more if it wasn't the Eagles against the Steelers and Kenny Pickett being the quarterback and then also the Steelers being the Steelers and the Eagles being the Eagles and this also being a game where the Eagles are playing the Steelers. Uh, all right. Well, upset. Hey, uh, upset watching. Aaron, you're right. They can't go on. They won't go undefeated and they have to lose eventually. And uh, I mean, sometimes you just have that feeling. Sometimes you just got to ride with that feeling. Uh, so we'll see what happens on Sunday. The next game on our list is the San Francisco 49ers traveling to Los Angeles to take on the Rams. This will be the second meeting between both these teams this season. Uh, the Niners defeated the Rams early on in week four, 24 to nine. Matthew Stafford was sacked seven times in this game. Seven 
times for Matthew Stafford. Uh, this was a Jimmy G game as well. This is, I mean, this is, this was the, one of the worst games for the Rams though, uh, in their season scoring only just nine points. The Niners here are favorites by one and a half, the over under 43 here Rams coming off of their buy Aaron. Is this, do we expect to see a different Rams team? Or are you expecting the same struggling team that we saw before the buy? I mean, they didn't get any players, right? <laughs> players are still the same. The offensive line hasn't changed. The, uh, the players are still the same. They still can't block anybody. They, they don't have a running game. Uh, I think you're going to see the exact same team. But to me, this is just deja vu. Deja vu. Deja vu. Deja vu. Deja vu. It, it literally is just deja what vu. What is it? They've, deja vu. Uh, the Rams oh. and the 49ers, the Rams and the 49ers have met a number of times. They're in the same division. And all they do is lose. The Rams just lose to the 49ers. They got one win, and it was the biggest win because it was in the NFC Championship game. Um, got them to the Super Bowl, got the Super Bowl win. But when it comes to the regular season, they are just outmatched by the 49ers. 49ers are just more physical. The 49ers have won seven of the last eight matchups. Seven of the last eight matchups. It's not changing. It's not changing. Sunday, Niners are going to win again. And I don't Oh, I got nothing. No analysis. They're just better than the Rams. They're just a better football team. They're more physical. They just own the Rams. They're like, they're just the Rams kryptonite. It's the Jaguars Colts winning in Jacksonville type thing. It's just, it just happens. And they're going to win again, 27, 23. You got me there. Once you brought up the Jags Colts, you got me there. I want to go and change my pick right now. I'm kidding. I'm not going to do that. Uh, since you, there wasn't much analysis to that because I mean, it's just back. The Niners own the Rams. Uh, AJ on the let, let's talk about the Rams. What do they need to do? What's what? What do you hope to see from the Rams uh, coming out of the bye? <laughs> we gotta find like something to analyze. We're using words like hope now. Can can they give Van Jefferson new legs? I mean, like you, you need help. That's all it is. I mean, you nope. need help. What, what does McVay like? To, he likes to have a running back by committee. He's got one because Cam Akers doesn't want to play for him, and now you have to hope on Daryl uh, Henderson. What does he like to do with receivers? He likes to have people who can do different things, spread the ball down the field, spread the ball across the field. All he's got is Cooper Cup. Now, that's a great person to have, but it's still not enough if you keep everything in front of you on Cooper Cup and stop it. Like, there's not much here, unfortunately. They need a new offensive line because guess what? Nick Bosa is probably healthy, probably going to be there, probably going to be giving hell to this offensive line and Matt Stafford, who's going to be sacked maybe another eight times. I, I'm, I'm sorry. I, I want to help you too. <laughs> I really do. No, but it's, I, it's, I, I, think, <laughs> I think the lack of, I think the lack of analysis is almost proving the point of where we're at with the Rams. Like we're, I mean, you know, in a time where the defending Super Bowl champions are this and that talented team, they're not that good. And so, uh, I, think, to, I think it's. Sorry, but uh, for this to go the opposite way than we're all feeling, it's going to have to look sloppy on the, on the Niners side of things. The receivers are going to have to drop passes. Uh, they're not going to convert on third down for some reason. You let the underdog stick around long enough. They start barking like that. It's going to have to look something like that. If we come back on next week and we're talking about the Rams winning it, the questions won't be how did they do it? It's going to ask what went wrong, because to me, that's the only way this is Jimmy G. Jimmy G is the only way the Rams win this game. Yeah. And that it's a bad Jimmy G. So what, uh, 
let, let me let's see if I can get something out of this one here from you, Aaron. Christian McCaffrey's first real game, full week of practice, first real game with the San Francisco 49ers this year. What do we what what's his stat line? Give me a stat line for Christian McCaffrey here. <laughs> Get that fantasy team happy. <laughs> I don't have. I don't own Christian Caffrey anywhere. I, I don't, honestly, it doesn't matter. I don't. I, the reason I don't like answering these questions, Vinny, about stat lines is because the impact AJ, what is have the on the stat game. Line no, for Christian McCaffrey. Nobody. Nobody cares about his stat line. They want to know what his impact on the game is going to be. It's going to be huge because the versatility that Christian McCaffrey offers and what Kyle Shanahan wants to do allows them to do more things creatively on offense. I can't tell you how many times Kyle Shanahan is going to hand the ball off to Christian McCaffrey. 12 carries, 75 yards, five catches, 63 yards. Who cares? You know, Doesn't you matter. Could have, you could have get, you could have given me you could have given me 31 for 273 and 3 in this game and then went into your analysis of that and it would have been no, perfect. But, I wouldn't have but cared it doesn't about the analysis the analysis, the analysis of his impact. The analysis is the part. Who cares about the stat line? The analysis is what you want. His impact on this so, game is going to allow Kyle Shanahan to be flexible and multiple on offense, lining him up in different situations. He is not just going to be in a running back. He is going to play slot. He's going to be on bubble screens. He is going to do everything that they do with Debo Samuel. And now you have two Debo Samuels. like it's it, it, Or two Christian McCaffrey's, however you want to put it, which opens things up for George Kittle. What the 49ers are now able to do, I don't think people realize. They have the most versatile offense in the NFL. And that's including Buffalo, and that's including Kansas City, because they have tight end that can play wide receiver, a fullback that can play tight end, a running back that's a receiver, a receiver that plays running back. Like They're the only team in the league that can do that. And so you never know what personnel they're in. You could have two running backs on the field, and then you bring in – let me explain this. And this is going real deep. You want analysis? Here's analysis. Positionless football. It's wild. It's It's crazy. Defensively, you match up to the offensive personnel. You have to react to what they do, right? So if a team comes out with three wide receivers, you're bringing, you're taking a linebacker off the field and you're bringing in a nickel back corner, right? Or, or a third safety that can play nickel. You can't do that with the 49ers because if you have, a, you could line up in 22 personnel. You could have a tight end, Christian McCaffrey, Brandon Ayuk, and Debo Samuel, and the defense thinks you're in a base formation. And the next thing you know, you come out four wide. All four of those guys can run like wide receivers. So now you have the wrong personnel. So you got linebackers matched up against the, the wrong personnel. So what they can do from a versatility aspect throws the defense off. You cannot play matchup football. And that in the NFL is everything, is being able to read what the offense is doing, substitute, match that personnel, and feel like your matchups can win. With the 49ers, you can't. You cannot do that. They will never look. They'll look like they're in base. And they're really not. They'll look like they're in spread and they're really not there in base. They can run out of that formation with more DBs on the field. It's impossible to explain on a podcast without visuals. But I'm telling you, there is no offense in the NFL that can do what the 49ers can do. And this is why I picked them to go to the Super Bowl in the NFC still after losing to Kansas City. Kansas City is just a better football team than them. But the 49ers, if Jimmy G doesn't screw it up, <laughs> the 49ers are great like they will be in the super that's how i feel they really that's how he really feels aj who you got we will be in super Bowl. yeah uh to your point i think you actually did if you listened i think you did a pretty good job of explaining it to be honest and and uh it, it's it's going to be very fun to watch because kyle shanahan is a creative genius when he when he wants to be 
And, you know, when he's not already thinking about his next job, oh so he blows a Super Bowl or something. <laughs> <laughs> hey, give me the 49ers in this one as well. Uh, same number, same score, 27-23. Uh, you know, the, the rivalry allows Matt Stafford to get, put some points on the board. And, I mean, when they want to be, they're a good team too. I just don't think they have enough uh, to stop this uh, offense. And that was <laughs> before they got Christian McCaffrey. Right. So 27-23, San Francisco 49ers. Uh, I will be different here. Uh, give me the Rams 28, 27. Uh, and I just think this is coming out of the bye with the Rams. I think that that's, that's really my only like reasoning behind this, that they come out of the bye. They've assessed what they've done, what they've done wrong. And I get it. Sometimes it doesn't matter how much you assess what you've done wrong. If you don't have the pieces to make the team better, you're not going to be better. And I get that for the Rams case because really it's their offensive line and protecting Matthew Stafford that's going to be huge in this game. I just think that they squeak this one out. Just squeak this one out. Not saying that the Rams are the better team in this. Even in this game, I don't think the Rams are going to be the better team. But I just think they squeak this one out 28-27 coming out of the bye and getting just their season slightly back on track. The next game, the final game on our list it's the six and one New York Giants taking on the four and three Seattle Seahawks. Gentlemen, before this season, if I were to have told you that <laughs> come week eight, we would have seen only one game featured two teams with winning records. I don't think you would have told me that it would be this game. I don't think you would have been able to tell me that. But this game this week is the only team featuring two teams with a winning record. The Seahawks are favored in this game by three points with an over-under of 44-and-a-half. And if I remember this correctly, and correct me if I'm wrong, Aaron, normally the home team gets three points. So when you look at this game, it almost is a coin flip. When you look at these two teams, it's two teams that no one has a clue about. No one can put their finger on what it is about these two teams that are making them as good as they are. Seattle leads the division in the NFC West. The Giants are 6-1, and one, and the only reason why they're not leading the division in the NFC East is because the Eagles are undefeated. But the Giants are doing their thing. The Seahawks are doing their thing. I'm going to give you the easy question here, Aaron, because last, the last game I gave you a question you didn't like. I'll give you an easy one here. I'm going to give you a layup. Which team is the most surprising this season? <laughs> I don't even think that's a layup. Um, but I got I got two I got two here. It's the Seattle Seahawks is the most surprising team. I will tell you that because I told you what the Giants could be uh, if Daniel Jones didn't turn the football over. But the Seattle Seahawks, we just didn't think they had anything at the quarterback position because we had seen Geno Smith play before, and Geno Smith hadn't been very good. Plus, you mentioned talk about the young defense that's stepped up big time, and and I didn't like one thing you said. I didn't think he's a, oh, like, boy. we can't explain it. We can't explain it. We can't explain how these teams are where they're at. They've done, they've played football the right way. And when we've evaluated where these teams are at, we've liked the things they've done. We talked about Seattle losing Russell Wilson. We knew the quarterback was the question mark. So we know the reason they're winning right now is because Geno Smith is playing good football. That's the difference between being one and five for them or one and six and four and three. It's just Geno playing good quarterback football. But everything else around him, the offensive line play has been better. Uh, you you go draft the Charles Cross. You 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 know you bring in guys that they they lose guys, and you bring in guys we don't know much about. 
but they've played as a collective unit. The secondary that started the season really, really slow, and we're like, oh, this defense is bad, but they have, you know, an offense that can move the ball. The defense has come together. Like, that defense is better now than it was in week two. They progressively got better and better schematically. They figured out what fits their style of play. Tariq Woolen is a man-to-man physical lockdown corner, but they're using him in a, in a, I don't want to say an older Seattle system. They're running that old style Seattle system, and it's it's he's thriving because he doesn't have to think a whole lot. He gets to watch the quarterback and react. And then so I think the way that they've used their young talent is the most impressive thing, but I think it's explainable. It explains why Pete Carroll is one of the best coaches in the National Football League, and nobody ever wants to give him credit for it. Um, because we all look at one Super Bowl where they decided to throw it instead of run it at the one yard line. The, the fact of the matter is, is it's very explainable why the Giants are good. It's very explainable why the Seahawks are good. We just didn't want to believe it, but you can explain it. Like the, the, the pieces are there. They're playing good football. And I always say this, as facts change, we have to change our mindset and our opinions about teams. And I'm, I'm, you know me, I'm as stubborn as they come about changing. I want resume and results. And on paper, you might say, God, these teams are so bad. Why are we, why are we watching them win? But when you watch the tape and you see them play, you understand that they are playing fundamentally sound football, not turning it over at the wrong times. And that's why they're winning games. And I think Seattle is a little bit more surprising because I like. He likes what they're doing. That's the personnel adequate. And it was. What was that last part? You used a big word in there and I think people need to hear it. I just said, I just said, I felt like Seattle is more surprising because we knew what we knew the Giants, at least I did, knew the Giants had good personnel. I just needed Daniel Jones to be adequate in order to get adequate. wins. And he's been, he's been at over, I mean, he's been over adequate. He's been better than adequate, but he's not turning the football yeah. over. Um, that team has talent. Like they really do. Yeah. I think, I think this game really, I mean, and these two teams uh, specifically with, it comes down to coaching. The coaching for, for both these teams has been, has been great. I mean, you look at what the what the Giants are doing six and one, the first team in NFL history to start six and one or better with each game being decided by one possession. That to me comes down to coaching. Like that is a coaching thing that you're not letting your team get down. You're not you're 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 having your team believe that they can come back in any situation, and they've done that this year. Um, it's been special from both sides of the ball. AJ, what are you watching for the most in this matchup between two good teams? Uh, it's going to be the run game on both sides, uh, the run game versus the run defense. As you look at what Kenneth Walker has brought to the to the Seattle Seahawks, you look at what Saquon Barkley's brought to the New York Giants. It has changed the outlook of this offense. We, we can start with the Saquon Barkley side. Him being healthy, him running like he told everybody he was going to run this season has allowed Daniel Jones to calm down. It allowed him to be free within what his talents are, which is also running the ball out of the pocket when he has an opportunity. And when that happens, he's not turning the ball over. You remember him running the ball back when he had nobody else. He was scared and he fumbled the ball when he was running the ball. Stuff like that hasn't happened this season. Now you look on the other side with Kenneth Walker, and he has just been explosive. And I think that is going to be the part that is going to give the New York Giants fits because they don't stop big runs very well, and Kenneth Walker loves big runs. And if that's going to be the case, I'm expecting Kenneth Walker to have himself a solid day. Um, if Brian Dable can find another one of these opportunities where he keeps this game close all the way to the end and then they eke one out, I'm not going to be surprised. It's been their makeup. It's been their formula. Um, 
they're one of the third team in NFL history to register six wins by a final margin of eight or fewer points. And they're one of the three teams who have won uh, five of their first seven games when they were trailing in the second half. They find a way to keep it close. They find a way to keep it gritty. They run the ball. They play tough defense. And if they're the last ones with the ball, there's a good chance that they have they have what it takes to get this W. Um, we've all been waiting for one of these teams to quote unquote prove somebody right. So whoever loses this game, someone's coming back. I told you so. <laughs> and yeah. it won't be fair because both of these teams have played really well. Um, if you would like, I'll jump right into mine and let you know yeah. how I think it's going to go down. Um, I have the Seahawks winning this game 26-23. The Giants, uh, this is their third game with a lot of travel. They've been to Jacksonville. They've been to London. Now they're going to Seattle uh, to fight in the 12th man. It's going to be really tough, a really uh, potent atmosphere. And uh, I think the the Giants with Geno Smith playing the way he's been playing going to have a tough one, and uh, they'll get their second loss on the season. Give me Seattle 26-23. Aaron? Yeah, I have Seattle in this one as well. Um, I like the home factor. Uh, but I also like the ability to create turnovers on Seattle's defense. Um, if they can corral and maintain and not let Daniel Jones get outside the pocket, I do think they can create a few turnovers. They're an aggressive style defense right now, which is why they've had games where they've given up a lot. Uh, but I like that mentality for a young team like Seattle. So I think they can go in here and find a way to win. I think Seattle gets it done 24 to 23. Yeah, I uh, this will be a clean sweep to end the show here. Uh, I have Seattle here, 27-24. Uh, I think the defense is going to be very opportunistic in this game, and they're going to rely heavily on Kenneth Walker, and I think Kenneth Walker is going to be the difference maker here. And Geno Smith is going to be able to do what he needs to do for them to win as well. And, I'm, uh, and I, I do want to point out, AJ, what you said, the fact that the Giants have been all over the country to, with the, with the, the, recently with the Jaguars, now having to travel across the country to Seattle. <laughs> Uh, it's t- and then out of the country, like it's not an easy road, no pun intended, uh, for the Giants, and they <laughs> do fall in this game 27 24. That does it though for our game by game previews for uh, the NFC in week eight. Uh, we now move on to our DFS showdown, and I just want to play this drop, so I'm gonna do it. What are you talking about? Oh, have you not heard? It was my understanding that everyone had heard. Heard what? Brian, don't! That's right. It is time to get into our Draft Kings showdown for our Thursday night football matchup between the Baltimore Ravens and the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. This, uh... This DFS play, these DFS plays will be a little bit more fun than uh, picking between Chicago and New England. There's a few more weapons uh, and fun names uh, to choose from uh, than our uh, usual or usual shit show suspects of Chicago and whoever they're playing. AJ, I think this is your first time on the show doing nope. this live. Nope. No, I'm not alive. Were you no, not alive? Uh, once for sure, possibly twice, definitely once though. Definitely okay. once we right. had the same. It was a Washington Commanders game because we both had Curtis Samuel as our as our captains, and we both you know cried a little bit about it. Okay. <laughs> all right. Yeah, I do. I do. I do recall. I do recall that. Um, all right. Well, uh, AJ, let's start with you then. Uh, take us through your take us through your thoughts on your lineup and what you're going through right now. I would do something crazy. I would do something crazy, and this is why this man's the best in the world. My captain is going to be Justin Tucker. I'm gonna put my kicker. At six grand, I think he's going to get himself some field goals. I don't think that um, 
the Tampa Bay Buccaneers are going to stop the Baltimore Ravens all night long. But I do think it'll be enough where Justin Tucker's called on a few times, maybe get me uh, 12 points plus the 1.5 after that. Uh, so I put Justin Tucker there uh, also because I needed some money. Uh, but then I got Lamar Jackson and Mark Andrews. That connection is just going to be what what's necessary. Uh, then I got Chris Godwin. Give me uh, Mike Evans. Nope, sorry. Sorry, Chris Godwin, Cade Otten. And then I have uh, Gus Edwards as the running back on the other side of things. Yeah, I, uh, I, I, this is another, maybe, I, I, don't, I think it was last week that I did this where it was like almost easy and very quick for my lineup. And then I started tampering. Um, but yeah. I have Rashad Bateman as my captain. Hopefully he plays. If not, I will end up changing that, obviously. Um, Lamar Jackson, Gus Edwards, Mike Evans, Justin Tucker, and we'll go back with Kate Otten again. Um, that's my team. Not sure. You know, tampering and all that. I, I want to find a way to put Mark Andrews in my lineup, but I don't think. Bro, I you can't just go change your lineup later. What did we talk about last week? Unless there's. An I was talking about tampering now. I was talking about tampering well, now. Is this That's your lineup or not? God. I think so. I think so. Uh, I think so. All right. Well, I'll tell you my lineup. My captain is Chris Godwin. Tom Brady is in my lineup. Leonard Fournette is in my lineup. Lamar Jackson is in my lineup. Justin Tucker is in my lineup, and Isaiah Likely. Is in my lineup. Okay, Isaiah. Oh, uh, Isaiah likely day, huh? Well, Mark Andrews is banged up. It's true. It's true. Should I should I be flexing Isaiah likely this week? It was a joke. Please don't shoot me. I know you love to hang on every little word here and just blow up because you're not because emotional. honestly, because honestly, I can never tell the difference between when you're joking and not because all of it is shit uh, takes. So uh, when you're, even when you're being <laughs> even when you're being truthful, it's a shit take, and then when you're joking, it's a shit take. So I have to just react to everything. Yeah, that's exactly what you sound like. That's what you sound like when you when I hear you. Oh, okay. All right, that does it though for another episode of the sack city podcast we'll be back again live at 10 a.m eastern time uh bringing you the rest of our week eight previews featuring all the afc home teams including our monday night football matchup uh between the Bengals and the browns we've also got the bills and the packers coming up tomorrow it's going to be a great day you're not going to want to miss uh another episode you're not going to want to miss any of the episodes of the sack city podcast we're coming hot we're coming out <sighs> hot ladies and gentlemen we're taking over uh so be there live 10 a.m eastern time tomorrow for another episode of the Sexy Podcast. For my best friend Aaron. Chip. For your boy AJ Johnson. Oh, you're not going to do the chip again? Oh, man, I was hoping you did. And for myself, we'll see you tomorrow. Peace out. Holla. Nom 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 <laughs>